humans have been enjoying wine for 8,000 years or more, and there's never been entry exams, literacy tests, diplomas, or membership fees. You can go as far or deep as you want, or just take it all in and find your happy place. That being said, we like to spend our week looking for things that we can share with you in this space and time. We'll give you food for thought, ideas for adventures, and most weeks, tips, pointers, and insights that you can use the minute the program ends. Wine has always united us. It still does. And we've never needed that more. So climb aboard. There is no time like the present to get your adventure started. So here's your host, the doctor of deliciousness, the chairman of the Bordeaux, the top gun of wine fun, David Wilson. All right, well, there are eight words that I never thought I would hear myself saying, but I'm going to say it all the same to begin this show, and those words are, it's so great to be home. I know, you're thinking, wait a second, David, that's not eight words. I I left off two. Uh, It's so great to be home in Italy. In Italy! You know, two years ago, if you had told me that I was going to be living in Italy, I would have said, you need your head examined. But in reality, I'm here in my studio in Atri, A-T-R-I, Italy, in the Abruzzo region, which is on the eastern side of the country, borders the Adriatic Sea. It's directly east of Rome, but the exact opposite side of Italy. And it's an interesting and unspoiled place where they make incredible wines. And I was just drawn to this place. And so uh, back at the end of last year, I came here just when they started to lift some of the restrictions for COVID. And I just said, you know what? I want to get out of the wine bar business because it takes a lot of time and energy. I want to get rid of my house, get rid of my car, get rid of most of my stuff. The rest of the stuff can go into a storage container. That's it. I'm just going to wing this. And I had met some wonderful people here, uh, including the folks at Venum Hadrianum. And we've talked about that project. We'll talk about it more later, but that's not the subject of this conversation. And I just did it. And I rented a really cool apartment that's hundreds of years old. And it's really nice. And it's really inexpensive. To be honest with you, it's about a tenth of the price that you would pay in the United States for something similar. It's uncanny, which means that you have more money to live and you're not constantly working to live. But anyway, I came here in January, moved some of my stuff here. But because it takes time to get a visa, I was a little careful about what I brought. And then I guess about three months into being here, which was a wonderful three months of getting to know people and trying to learn the language and stuff, I had an opportunity to do some serious traveling in other places. And now without the burden of, uh, you know, other things that I was obligated to before, I said, you know, why not? Why not? And I decided that I was going to do some traveling in areas of the United States, especially California, which is a much bigger state than I think anybody realizes. But there's a lot of areas in California that are wine-centric that I hadn't been to. And so I said, I'm going to do this thing. And then I'm going to come back to Europe and I'm going to explore some countries that I really haven't had a chance to stomp around in. And I did that. But I I got on the air, I guess it was just about three months ago, and I said, you know, you know, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to do this thing without 
doing a bunch of planning and a bunch of research. I'm going to do it by train, and there's a reason why I chose to do that. And then when I get into certain areas, then I'll use cabs or Ubers or whatever, and we're going to just play a lot of it by ear. And a lot of it, uh, in terms of decisions that I made and places I visited, were based on conversations that I had with people in the area, just talking to folks, talking to waiters and other servers. And anyway, that's how I did it. Uh, But I want to come clean on something, and and this is really super personal and important, and it's this. Um, Just about a year ago, I had major surgery on my spine. My nerves were all messed up, and I was suffering from incomprehensible pain almost 24-7. And so a neurosurgeon took a look at it and said, ah, there's your problem. We can fix that. We're going to replace all these discs from L1 to S1, and uh, you'll feel 10 years younger the next day after the surgery. Oh, BS. I have never recovered from this surgery. I have a difficult time walking. My back hurts a lot of the time. I don't know what went wrong, but something definitely went wrong. And so I have suffered mightily. And I thought, well, you know what? I am not going to put my life on hold you know, just because I've got aches and pains, you know, I'm not as bad off as so many other people. And you got to just suck it up, David, get out there and do your thing. But I thought it would be easier to do it by train because uh, moving uh, bags around airports and stuff like that, it just is so cumbersome. And I ended up bringing about 75 pounds of audio gear and other things that I thought that I needed. And guess what? I didn't need it. And that was the stupidest decision. I could have ever made because you get into a train station and the train zooms in and you got like maybe two minutes to get yourself on that train. And here I've got these giant bags. I can't hoist them up onto the platform. At least Amtrak will help you with it. But there, not so much. It's a good thing that there are a lot of good Samaritans in Europe because I did get some help. Uh, But anyway, that was incredibly difficult. And then when I would get into the general vicinity of the wine countries and places that I wanted to visit, a lot of times there wasn't a way to get around. And we cannot assume that Uber covers the world or Lyft covers the world or cabs cover the world because they don't. It made it really super tough. So anyway, I'm telling you this because there's uh, several million people in America that have neurological disorders that they've got to deal with, and I know how you feel. And for those who have any other ambulatory issues, I didn't know how you felt 10 years ago, but boy, I know how you feel now. And I'm just here to tell you, if you've got the resolve, then try if you can and get out there and do it because, uh, you know, we all have things that we have to deal with. But uh, that's my story as to why I took trains. But, you know, part of the story is not getting out to vineyards and wineries so much because as for me, I've been to probably thousands of them and they all do start to look a lot alike after a while. And so that's why I always go for the story, the sidebar, the the story that isn't just about, you know, how they make the wine and how beautiful this particular vineyard is. I, I look for something different that I can share with you. But I think that the best part about traveling and wine is getting into the restaurants and eating the cuisine that was styled, that was created for the wines of the region, and conversely, drinking the wines from the region 
that have been crafted to complement food that goes back many, many, many generations. I don't think we do that so much here uh, in the United States, but in other parts of the world, cuisine and wine are tied together at the hip. And that's why it's so important, I think, to make dining out a big part of your wine experience. It's the best part of it, really. And the good news is, is that it's just not very expensive in most places. Well, yes, if you go to Rome, if you go to Paris, you, you go to the, uh, the the big metropolitan places, it'll be as expensive or even more expensive than, you know, New York or Chicago or LA. But when you get on the outskirts in the small towns, it's so, so cheap. And wine is so cheap. It's like an average bottle of wine, good bottle of wine in the United States could be 30 or 40 or 50 bucks. In Europe, you can drink wine in almost any country, good wine for under 10 euros, which is, by the way, exactly the same as the value of a dollar right now. So it's it's hyper cheap. And by the way, I was in uh, Zagreb and I went to a restaurant and they had wine by the glass and wine by the bottle. And I was looking at the prices and the wine by the bottle price was, you know, fair enough. But... <laughs> The wine by the glass price was so cheap that you could actually buy nine glasses of wine for the price of the bottle. And I had to kind of say, hey, 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 I think you made a mistake on the menu here. Oh, it's no mistake, sir. Well, okay. So that's um, that's that. But I've got uh, other things I really want to share with you. I'm going to give you a few more insights about wine-centric travel because uh, the opportunities are just incredible right at the moment. Uh, if you look for airline tickets, I will tell you this. They seem very expensive, but shop the deals. Get yourself to Google Flights. Learn how to use it. I'm not going to teach you right now because it's kind of complicated. But go to go to Google Flights. Learn how to use it. And you can score tickets to Europe for about the same price that you would pay to go from, say, California to New York. So the deals are out there. And all right, we're going to talk more about this and a lot of other things, including a wine that I think now is my favorite wine for the moment. I don't like to play favorites with wine, but this one is just, oh, it's just knocking it out of the park for me. So I'll tell you about that in just a second when we return with Grape Encounters coming to you from our studio in Abruzzo uh, in Italy. David will be back with more Grape Encounters right after they touch up his hair and makeup. Oh, wait, this is this is radio. Well, there's still paparazzi after the show to deal with. No. The only thing that Mendocino County winemaker Greg Graziano can't tell you about wine is how many different choices he makes. It's somewhere between dozens and cowabunga. Artisans like Greg don't count, they create. Did Da Vinci or Michelangelo take inventory? Let's just say that Italians like Greg can easily get carried away, especially when it comes to food and wine. Great wine is in Greg's DNA. His immigrant grandparents started making Mendocino wines in the early 20s, and despite being the head honcho of the much-beloved Graziano family of wines, Greg is just a humble, lovable guy. When you play in the dirt all day, you can't help but be down to earth. Ask your wine cellar for Graziano wines, or just visit GrazianoFamilyOfWines.com. They've got five different brands. Why? Well, because Italians tend to have big families. Life is just more fun 
with a Graziano at your table. At MM Organics, we're surrounded by health nuts. That's because we're obsessed with lowering blood pressure, cholesterol, and the risk of cancer. We want to make weight loss easier and help you strengthen everything from your heart to your teeth, nails, and hair. Full disclosure, those health nuts are actually dry-farmed heirloom certified organic raw walnuts. Rich with essential vitamins and nutrients, they're vastly superior to other nuts. Imagine, walnuts can actually lower stress and boost your brain power. No wonder MM Organics customers are so darn smart. MMOrganics.com is where you'll find our uniquely irresistible raw walnuts, walnut butter, oil and flour, sprouted flavored walnuts, and decadent fair trade chocolate covered walnuts, which pair beautifully with our legendary two horse port style wine. MMOrganics.com, eating any other nuts is just plain nuts. Welcome back to Grape Encounters. Did you know there are more compounds in wine than in blood? Maybe vampires ought to rethink their drink. Well, I can say unequivocally, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the last three months have been the most random period of time in my life because I knew I had an opportunity to do some world traveling, a bunch of places I wanted to go to, and a bunch of places I might add that I wanted to go to in California, even though I'm a California native. So I am no longer in the wine bar business, which was really holding my feet to the floor. And it was just a really good time to take off. So I was in Italy for about three months because I moved there in January. I should say I moved here in January because that's where I'm at right now. Then I needed to go back to the U.S. for some business. And I, like I said, had a chunk of time on my hands that gave me the flexibility to do some arbitrary traveling. And so the first thing I did was I went down to the San Diego area and we did a piece on pairing national parks and state parks with wine regions. And that ended up being a blast. But what was so nice about my trip to San Diego is that I just have never been a big San Diego fan. And all of a sudden, I'm down there and I'm discovering a San Diego that I don't think existed 15 years ago. So I couldn't stay long enough. It was just so much fun. And then I hopped on a train and I worked my way back up the coast, got up to about Oakland, and then I had to take an Uber from there to Napa. You don't want to know how much that cost me. Ridiculously expensive, but I bumped around Napa. We did some shows up there, so you can go back and listen to those. Then spent some time in Sonoma, and I love Sonoma. Sonoma's a lot like Napa, except it's just very down to earth. It was in Sonoma that I got to meet a hero of mine, and that's Norman Greenbaum, who sang the song Spirit in the Sky. Love that song, but I also loved a song of his that almost became a hit. It was called Canned Ham, and so uh, anybody that was wondering about that canned ham that Norman Greenbaum gave me, a real canned ham, and he signed it, and he gave me also a 33 and a third commemorative record featuring Spirit in the Sky. Well, anyway, um, I did. I dragged that ham all over Europe and it's sitting right here in my studio. The song is, you know, when you're gonna buy me a canned ham. If you know that song and you wonder what that's all about, it's because Norman was in a grocery store with his wife 
and there was somebody in front of them that pulled a canned ham out of their shopping cart and put it on the turnstile there. And he looks over at his wife and he says, when you're going to buy me a canned ham. And thus, a song uh, originated right then and there. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, I dragged it all over Europe. But I wanted to just share a story I haven't had a chance to share with you. I, I, I wanted to explore the area in the Sierra foothills a bit more. I'd only been there once. But I'm going to tell you, if you get an opportunity to get up there, and I would say this, start in Lodi, which is not that far from Sacramento, and Lodi makes an enormous amount of wine. And a lot of people don't realize it. Most people haven't even heard it, unless, of course, you are familiar with the Credence Clearwater song, Oh Lord, Stuck in Lodi. Anyway, love that song. Love Lodi. They make great Zinfandels there. And uh, we're going to talk about um, Zinfandel from a little different angle, uh, the Croatian angle in just a second. But anyway, great Zins up there and a lot of cold climate wines as you climb further up the state and closer to the, the Sierra Nevada mountains. And there are little pockets of wineries all over up there. And actually, you can start all the way down in Gold Country, uh, a wonderful town down there, Murphy's. I recommend staying there and explore some of the wineries down there and then just slowly work your way up. And you will find some great uh, cold climate wines. They're really delicious. It's an interesting area, too, because you, you can be driving around and you don't see vineyards. And that's because there are all these um, small pine forests that the vineyards are kind of hiding behind. And so that's really kind of cool. And the wineries are really super small, but handcrafted wines that are absolutely terrific. Well, anyway, I uh, then worked my way up uh, past Auburn, which is an old gold country town, up to another uh, gold rush town which um, is Nevada City, and it's uh, right next to Grass Valley. And by the way, our announcer for the show, Michael Sheehy, who's been my announcer not just on this but other projects, I think he is the finest announcer on the planet. There was a time when he was the voice of hundreds of radio stations. Uh, he lives up in those parts with his wife, Denise, and they were so kind to invite me to stay at their house, and I ended up staying a lot longer than I had planned because my legs were giving me fits. I told you the problems that I've been having with that, and uh, anyway, so they were kind enough to let me stay an extra four or five days, and uh, we got to do some fun creative stuff together. But anyway, then I left there, and I went a little further up, and oh, Lord, uh, I didn't get stuck in Lodi. I got stuck in Northern California, and I can't believe what happened. I needed to get down to Sacramento. So I thought it would just be super easy. I'd just call an Uber, and I knew it would be kind of expensive because it is a um, pretty long haul. Well, guess what? I spent an entire day trying to get an Uber, trying to get a Lyft, trying to get a cab, and I couldn't get anywhere, and it was blistering hot there. So I ended up having to stay another night because I couldn't find a ride. I couldn't find a bus. And then finally, about three o'clock the next day, I finally scored a ride. Oh, I was so furious. But anyway, we didn't even have these things, you know, Uber and Lyft. 
myth before, but we have them now and now we just kind of take it all for granted. But do not do that. It's a bad idea. But I want to actually share a little secret about a way to get around Europe that has never been on my radar. Never. And I've been to Europe so many times and I've led a lot of wine excursions there by way of cruise ships. For years I did that and I never knew that there's a super easy, super cheap way to bop around from country to country so easily, right? Uh, But I'd never heard of this and um, nobody that I've actually shared this story with had this on their radar either. So I'm going to share it with you because if you're planning a trip to Europe, you need to know about this little secret thing. And maybe you know about it and you're just going, oh, well, that's not that's not news, David. Well, it is to most people. I can tell you that. And it is to me. And honestly, if I didn't know about it, it never existed. That's how I see it. So that next, and then I said we were going to kind of look at Zinfandel from a different angle. We'll do that also in just a couple of minutes right here on Grape Encounters Radio. We are settled back in the Italian studio. And by the way, I'm in the temporary studio. I'm going to be moving into a studio that's being set up for me in a palace, an honest-to-goodness palace that has been redone. It's not quite done completely, but uh, it's really something else, and that's going to be my home for a while, and it's just being done for me out of the goodness of their hearts, uh, the folks over at Venum Hadrianum. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. Did you know that some wines are just as delicious and desirable after a hundred years as they were when they were young? Hmm, should, should I be seeing a winemaker instead of my doctor? Grape Encounters will return right after this. Smoke from increasing wildfires is tainting wine grapes and vineyard executives are looking for new ways to adapt. Pure Fresh Wines O3 technology helps vineyards overcome the problems caused by wildfire smoke by treating grapes pre-crush to improve fermentation and overall wine quality, as well as removing smoke taint. For the typical winery, saving a full harvest of grapes with Pure Fresh Wine costs only 10 cents per bottle. O3 technology has been approved by the FDA and USDA. It leaves no residue and uses no chemicals. It provides many benefits to wineries, including the removal of sulfur, pesticides, and fungicides pre-crush, the reduction of bad bacteria and mold issues, an improvement in roundness and fruit-forward palate notes, and so much more. Most importantly, it safely and naturally breaks down smoke taint molecules to save grapes from damage. Rescue your harvest from smoke taint. Visit purefreshwine.com today. We're back with more Grape Encounters. Did you know that there are approximately 600 grapes in every glass of wine and about 3,000 in every bottle? And remember that breakfast cereal commercial that claimed there were two scoops of raisins in every package of their Bran Flakes product? It's a good thing most people don't drink wine for breakfast because the potential to have more than your fair daily share of grapes is definitely there. Thank goodness farmers grow more grapes than any other fruit. Aren't grapes groovy? Yes, 
Zendini grapes are definitely groovy. And there is one grape varietal that is really high on my groovy wine grape list right now. And I feel a little odd saying that because I'm always telling you guys that I don't like to play favorites. People will always ask me this question, what is your favorite wine? And then I gotta get my panties in a wad, as they say, and proclaim that, you know, it just depends on a lot of factors. What did I have for lunch? Did I just brush my teeth? What kind of a mood am I in? I mean, there's so many things that make a difference. And I really try to drive home the idea that if you didn't like something yesterday, it doesn't mean that you might not like it today. And it happens. And if you like something today, you might not like it tomorrow because your palate is impacted by a variety of things. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but you know, have you ever gone wine tasting and you were so thrilled by a wine and you bought a few bottles or maybe you bought a case and you take it home and it's like, what happened? Hey, they switched the wine on me. Well, no, probably they did not. It's just that things have changed for you and it can even be the mood that you're in. So just stay open-minded and always try to make a mental note when you love a wine. Make a mental note of, you know, what you ate, where you were, you know, how much sleep you got, whatever. What frame of mind were you in? Anyway, all that being said, there is a grape that is just exciting me so much right now because I got to spend some time in Croatia and I got to drink a lot of this wine and it's a wine that you just can't get very easily in the United States and that seems so strange because Croatia makes so much of this wine. It's the number one wine produced in Croatia. Uh, It can be inexpensive. It can be modestly priced. It can be more expensive, but it's almost always delicious in my book. And it's actually a grape that we are familiar with kind of, sort of. And when I say, not Tommy Lasorda, kind of, sort (laughs) of. And the reason I say we're somewhat familiar with it is because we drink a great deal of this wine in America. In fact, there was a time when it was the number one grape produced in California, and we call it Zinfandel. Zinfandel, yeah. And so you're saying to yourself right now, well, then what's the big deal, Zinfandel? Gosh, that's been around. That's not new news. Well, it's interesting because most people don't know that there is this wine that is made in Croatia, It's called Plavitz Mali. And it's largely the the same grape that we make Zinfandel from, but it's kind of a different branch of the family tree, let's say. It wasn't until some decades ago that the very famous Mike Gergich, who was responsible for making the wine that won the Judgment of Paris in 1976, he's Croatian, or he was born there, he's an American now, but he had the realization or the epiphany that this Plavitz Mali wine that he was quite familiar with 
in Croatia was really, really super similar to Zinfandel. And you could look at the plant and examine it and the grapes and everything about it. It was like a dead ringer, a dead ringer. And so there were already a lot of people that were curious about this wine. And also there was a lot of curiosity about Zinfandel in general because we call it Zinfandel here. The Italians call it Primitivo. And those two wines are genetically identical. But you know, if you go back 40 years ago, we didn't have reliable DNA testing to really confirm beyond a shadow of a doubt that these were the same grape, okay? But why is this important? Because it means that our Zinfandel has its roots, no pun intended, in Croatia, and that the wine likely started there and then spread to Italy and then spread to America. And by the way, they had a dickens of a time finding the exact variety Varietal. They had a hard time finding that Zinfandel, the Croatian version of Zinfandel there, but eventually did, and they sorted this whole mess out. And it's really super complicated, so I'm not going to cloud things by overcomplicating things, but I'm going to tell you this, that I have been to Croatia a number of times. I've never got to stay for very long. It's usually because I was leading a trip in Croatia. It was a quick stop for maybe a day. Every time I go to Croatia, I hunt down Plavitz Mali, I got to drink it. I go crazy over it. I keep saying to myself, why don't I uh, try to get somebody to grow this grape, this exact version of Zinfandel in America? And let's get on the bandwagon here and make something that replicates what people are drinking everywhere in Croatia. Because, because the Plavitz Mali is really super sophisticated where I think, you know, people treat Zinfandel as kind of a, oh, it's a table wine. It's, yeah, it's really delicious, but it's not, you know, sophisticated like Pinot Noir or Cabernet Sauvignon. Well, guess what? The Plavitz Mali, to me, when I drink it, I feel like I'm drinking an expensive Cabernet Sauvignon. That is not to say that they taste the same, but I will tell you this. If you like those big hearty reds that are, you know, smooth as silk, but as big as a Bentley, you will love this wine. Now, all that being said, Mike Gergich actually built a winery in Croatia, and what do they make there? Plavitz Mali. And you can buy that wine by way of the Gergich Hills uh, winery in Napa. And I'm sure that you can buy it online and have it shipped to you, I guess, uh, depending upon where you live. And if you go there, you can buy it. I've seen it there, and it is absolutely stunning. I think it's actually maybe the best thing I've tasted from Gergich Hills. And that's saying a lot because everything that Mike Gergich's team makes there is pretty incredible. I mean, he's royalty in the wine world. So anyway, you can get Plavitz Mali around in a few places, you know, a Czech total wine and more, of course. But once you get your paws on a bottle of that wine and you wrap your lips around that glass, oh, that's a strange image, isn't it? But anyway, take a couple of sips and you will become a believer. Everybody that I've ever turned on to this wine loves it. And by the way, I posted something about drinking a bottle 
capital of Plavac Mali in Croatia when I um, was there a few days ago. And oh, so many people weighed in on this and said, oh, I hear what you're saying, David. Yes, that's one of my favorite wines. But for the most part, in the rest of the world, it is a complete unknown. So this is the hottest tip anybody's going to give you this week, next week, or this month, or maybe this year, because this is a real true find. And maybe there are some of you, the hardcore enthusiasts that are going to say, oh, David, this isn't, you know, big news. But it is big news. It is really, really a wine that needs to be at the top of your list. And if you have yet to discover Plavitz Mali, now is the time to do it. So my suggestion, go to the Gergich Hills website, see if you can buy it there. I'm almost positive I've seen it there. And stock yourself up on it. Don't even bother to buy just one bottle. Buy a bunch of it because you're going to fall in love. And like me, you're going to say, I don't normally play favorites, or should I say play flavorites? <laughs> but I'll make an exception where Plavitz Mali is concerned because it's just that good. And by the way, I was uh, in Croatia for several days and every place I went, I would try to force myself to taste something else, but I saw that there were many different Plavitz Malis that were available on their wine list. And so I drank as many of them as I possibly could. And I'm going to tell you, I just didn't find a stinker among the bunch. It's really fantastic. Okay, I told you earlier that I was going to give you some information about a better way to get around Europe, and I, I haven't done that yet, so I'll do that next, and then we'll try to wrap things up, and uh, then you're going to have a fun rest of your weekend, and we'll rendezvous back here next week. This edition of Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine & More, where you'll find what you love and love what you find. And when it comes to loving Total Wine and more, there is no bigger fan than your host, David Wilson, who reminds you to drink responsibly. B21. At every family gathering, my brother Steve and I each bring several bottles of wines and try to one-up each other. I bring wines from all over. Steve only brings wines from California's Mendocino wine country, where he's lived for decades. And even though there are hundreds of great wineries there he can choose from, he mostly brings wines from the Graziano family of wines. Now you'd think you'd see a lot of duplicates from past gatherings since most producers only make 6 to 12 wines, but Graziano has 5 brands that make literally dozens, upwards of 30 mostly Italian varietals, and all rock stars. Made by the real rock star, Greg Graziano. You can hear my recent interview with Greg at GrapeEncounters.com and you can find Graziano wines all over America or buy them online at GrazianoFamilyOfWines.com. I've never confessed how much I love Graziano wines to my brother and uh, let's keep it that way. If you tried a different wine grape varietal every day, it would take more than 27 years for you to get through the list. And while you're busy tasting all those choices, winemakers around the world will be coming up with countless blends to set you back. So, to uncomplicate things, we'll help you sort things out in the wine world and point you to the stuff that we think you'll find essential and unforgettable. Starting right here today on Grape Encounters with David Wilson. 
You know, I used to worry about communication when I would take off and visit foreign countries. And because I've been traveling by myself, I guess it should be a little more scary because you don't have any person to serve as kind of a backup or at least to hop on Google and try to figure out what it is he or she said. But it is just amazing to me that you can sit down with somebody from a completely different culture, completely different country, and still manage to have some form of communication. And it just works. And so where I used to worry about that a lot, I really don't worry about it anymore. It just works and you figure it all out. But I was thinking about a trip that I was on several years ago and it was a small group of us and we were in Bordeaux and we weren't going to the big Grand Cru houses. We were instead going to small family operations where it was mom and dad and the kids and even the grandkids and in some cases great grandkids. And we had the opportunity on a number of occasions to just go into their homes and they would cook us dinner and we would play with the kids and there would be that language barrier. But again, it all just worked. Well, there were a couple of guys that were on the trip with me, and I knew who they were, but I had never met them before. They are Jeff Jensen and Mike DeSimone, and they're known as the World Wine Guys, and they're really awesome writers. They just produced an epic book called Red Wine, which I think was named the best wine book in 25 years. And I remember this one evening that we went to this small family winery and dad wasn't there for some reason, but mom and the kids were there and she made this absolutely delicious meal. We had so much fun. And on that trip, it was experiences like that where I really got to know Mike and Jeff, and to see just how much character these two guys have. They're characters with character. And so I was reading something, I think it was yesterday or day before yesterday, about them being in Poland and uh, serving up meals for Ukrainian refugees. And I just thought that was so cool. They said that they had made 35,000 sandwiches and just as many hot meals. So I just want to commend them because these are great guys. They are not the least bit pretentious. They're so much fun. And guys, congratulations for doing that. Thank you for doing that. I wish I could have been there with you, and I really do mean that. But hats off to you guys. And everybody else, buy the book Red Wine because it's really, really sensational. I said I was going to tell you about a way to get around Europe that I really didn't know about. And I've mentioned it to several people and nobody seems to know about it. Europeans do. And that is that there are a couple of regional airlines and two of them in particular that can get you all over the place. And they can do it for, in many cases, like 15 to 19 euros. And, you know, I didn't see any rides that would cost you more than, say, 75 euros. So much cheaper than getting around America. So I really want to take my hat off to these two companies. One of them is called Ryanair, R-Y-A-N Air. And the other one is called Wiz Air. That's W-I-Z-Z. Yeah, so heck yeah, fly with Ryan or take a Wiz. These companies are doing such a great job. And I thought when I got on board the Wiz jet a couple of days ago that things were going to be taped up with duct tape and that the wing was going to be halfway hanging off. And not at all. The plane was beautiful. It was like brand new, as a matter of fact. The service was 
was great on board. The price to get from split Croatia over to Rome, which is it's not a long flight, but it was only like about 30 euros maybe. Really, really cheap. Here's what you need to know about both of these airlines, and it's this. They don't fly too many traditional, predictable routes. They fly between some unusual destinations, but good destinations. And so what you got to do is go on their website and see the places that they fly to and see the places that they fly from. And you can kind of concoct a battle plan that by using them will get you around Europe at a very, very, very cheap price and very efficiently. So you've got to start with the destinations that they fly to and from because it's not going to work if you say, okay, I want to go to Rome and then I want to go from Rome to Brussels. It just doesn't work that way because their routes are very random. Some of them seem a little bit strange, but most of the places that they fly to are really cool spots, and they may get you very close to where you'd ultimately like to go. But I'm going to tell you, you are going to save like 75% at least. And I know I'm talking a lot about European travel, but I want to just emphasize one thing, that I've been talking about wine, food, and travel for now going on 16 years. And so much of the emphasis has been California. And don't get me wrong, I am loyal to the core when it comes to California wine. I think California makes, in many cases, the best wines in the world. But I also found myself thinking, you know, every country, basically, in Europe makes wine and they make great wines. And I think we don't sometimes think about going to these places because we think that it's going to cost a gazillion dollars to get there. And that's just not the case. As I said earlier in the show, you can get to Europe from pretty much any place in the United States for what it would cost to get across the country. So we start with that. But then accommodations are just way cheaper. And then it's so easy to move about for the most part by way of trains. And even cabs and Ubers and Lyft are cheaper in Europe, a lot cheaper. And then you've got things like Ryanair and Wizz Airlines, which can get you anywhere you really want to go fast and cheap. So the bottom line is this. You may be ruling out taking certain trips because you think you can't afford them because they're far away. But the reality is, in many cases, those trips are going to be a lot cheaper. So I just throw that out. And if you want to see some of the places that I've been visiting, you can go to my Facebook page. It's David Wilson. And then just put grape and you'll find me. And there's a lot of photographs that I've posted recently of my trips. That is going to do it for Grape Encounters today. I really appreciate your time and your support and I really urge you please go to the podcast side of your choice please subscribe to Grape Encounters it means a lot to us and it helps us immensely I know that we're just strangers but I've seen stranger things thanks a lot and we'll talk to you next week following Grape Encounters on social media yet? You're not? Well, you should be. It's the best way to hear the latest, juiciest, unfiltered wine stories. It's also the single best way to keep our unpretentious, decidedly different wine conversations going strong. 
We're on Instagram and Twitter at Grape Encounters. For tons of content on Facebook, you'll want to join our Grape Encounters radio group page. Or if LinkedIn is more your thing, connect with me by typing Grape Encounters Radio or Grape Encounters David in the search bar. Here's the deal. The more you click, the more I'll pour.